Before we begin today's podcast, number 135, which is now three months into our fourth year of doing this podcast from when we began in July 2017, and we have just crossed the 10,000 download threshold today, as a matter of fact, October 2nd, and Harry and I would like to genuinely thank listeners, interviewees, donors, and silent supporters for contributing to this milestone. More than 2,000 of that total has been achieved in the last three months, which is indicative of a continual upward trend. And we're currently averaging well over 300 downloads per episode, which is about a 15-fold increase since we began. Even though the majority of our listeners for the moment are in Canada, we now have listeners on five continents, Asia, Africa, North America, South America, Europe, and Australia. And we seem to be benefiting from that as well. So... Thanks again, and let's get right into the episode for this week. The end of the world for a typical person in a medieval village is the end of the village. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't have the awareness of the globe Mm -hmm. as a globe. Everything was local. So if the world was coming to an end, it was your little world that was coming to an end. But right now, we don't have a little world. We have a globe. Mm -hmm. People are not thinking... My local town is going to come to an end. Mm-hmm. The worry is that the larger picture is going to collapse. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 135, Time Trek. It's the apocalypse, and Armageddon out of here. It's the apocalypse, and Armageddon out of here. That's the title of our podcast today, folks. Are you starting? You can't do that one. It's already started. We've already started. You're fiddling with your earplugs. Your earphones, and I am already into the uh, podcast. <laughs> Camera action. Doomsday clock. Oh, yes. TikTok. You're telling me about a great tune by... Stevie Ray Vaughan and his mm-hmm. brother, mm-hmm. TikTok. When we picked this title, that's what it reminded me of a little bit. What's the lyric again? TikTok. Time is ticking away. TikTok, TikTok, time is ticking away. <clears throat> Which puts me in mind of... <laughs> you see, folks, we're delirious here. We've just hit the 10,000 download mark. We so yeah. I'm spilling water onto the table here in the studio right, and right. tripping over myself. And, mm-hmm. and Peter is gargling uh, in the middle <laughs> of the podcast as we're talking about like doomsday and apocalypse. He's gargling. The episode today is a time trek episode. And the idea is to talk about the idea of... The end of the world, of doomsday, apocalypse, Armageddon out of here. And so that TikTok reminds me, first of all, of a very interesting phenomenon in the world Mm. that has been in the world since 1947, and it's the doomsday clock. Right. And there is the sense that the doomsday clock is an actual something, a thing. That is, the arms of the clock move closer or farther away from midnight, and midnight is world catastrophe. It's when Cinderella loses her slipper. Right. The doomsday clock is a symbol. It's been around since 1947, Mm -hmm. and it's run or kept going, so to speak, by the members of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Right. And it's a metaphor for the threats to humanity 
from unchecked scientific and technological advances. So it's moved closer or farther away from midnight, depending upon the perceived danger to the planet. It's been sent backward 24 times since 1947. And before you go on, Harry, though, mention that 1947 was kind of a pivotal time, just a year and a half after Hiroshima. Right. What precipitated the whole development of the doomsday clock was the actual threat of nuclear war. Right. And they've added into that now the effects of global warming mm -hmm. as another danger that they assess when they move the hands. And more recently, disinformation has been added as a third element. Okay, interesting. So it's been as far away as 17 to the hour mm -hmm. and as close as 1 minute 40 seconds. Which is where we are now. To midnight, yeah, which was set in January 2020. And because of the incremental changes to stress how much things are deteriorating, they went from minutes to seconds. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I just find it really interesting because this is an idea. It's a symbol. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing, no. not an object, but it's taken on the sense of an object. So you imagine that the planet has this doomsday clock ticking, tick, tick, hanging over us all. And every now and then someone says, oh, the doomsday clock is now one minute to midnight. Now it's two minutes. Now it's 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine sort of the sense of anxiety an undercurrent of anxiety that that must project into our psyches as human beings on the planet. Sure, especially if people are taking it literally, yeah. as opposed to, as you say, a symbol. Well, it's hard not to, because when you hear one minute to midnight, mm -hmm. and midnight is the end of the world, so to speak, mm -hmm. you tend to take it seriously, as opposed to 20 minutes to midnight. Well, in many ways, I think the people who developed the whole idea and support this particular symbol wanted to draw attention to it. They want you to understand the seriousness of what they're thinking is happening. Yeah, their intentions were good. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that even though the intentions were good, the result is a kind of underlying anxiety that runs through our psyches. It's a symbol. And what are symbols used for? Symbols are used in storytelling mm -hmm. to denote certain things, to give emphasis to something. And so, as Yuval Harari points out in his books, civilization is built upon shared stories. Right. In a sense, the doomsday clock and that idea that we're moving closer or farther by our actions to doomsday is a shared story. One that we all have kind of agreed upon. Yeah. And as we know, that's not new. The idea of the end of the world. Not at all. But right now, even this doomsday clock situation, it's on a different level now. Mm -hmm. Because of what we've experienced over the last six, seven months, we're all COVID fatigued. Yeah. And so this is just another element that pervades our space. Well, in a way, the COVID thing has brought out that anxiety that is there mm. under the great clock mm -hmm. because it's also surfaced a lot of the tensions underlying society's problems, mm -hmm. whether it's race-related or economically-related. All of these things are emerging now as possible things that can tear down a civilization. Right. And we should note as well that these things have happened before. But in this particular case, this is also behaving as a catalyst. It seems to be accelerating time. Yeah. 
Sure. We've had so many of these situations over the millennia, not just decades. Mm-hmm. Even if we focus on the last four or 500 years, all the wars in the European and North American and Asian continents, World War One and Two being the pinnacle to all that. Yeah. And we've always eventually come through. Right, right. But now we're talking in a way about the prophecies of doom. Before these major events happen, there are people who are saying, this is coming, folks. Mm-hmm. A la Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Mm. People look at his writings and they see his predictions and they read into them and they say, well, yeah, Nostradamus predicted 9-11. Mm-hmm. You know, he predicted the atomic bomb, the rise of Hitler, That sort of thing. He didn't actually predict the specific thing. He alluded to something that was similar. He didn't have the name Hitler. He didn't have the name atomic bomb, but you could connect the parallel. Yeah. For example, he might say, very near auch lectur in merande. Sure. A great fire will fall from the sky for three nights. The cause will appear both stupefying and marvelous. Shortly afterwards, there will be an earthquake. You know, when people take that mm-hmm. as Etna exploding or, yeah, or Vesuvius something. Vesuvius all Vesuvius over Vesuvius or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So these things have come down through history. These people, these groups, and these cults. Cults, yeah. Cults, end of the world cults. And the classic end of the world cult, Christianity. The last book mm-hmm. in the Bible is the book of Revelations, written by John of Patmos. Who came up with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, in his vision, yeah, he had to sort of write down his vision and the seals, the seven seals of the vision were opened in these images of apocalypse and the horsemen. Incidentally, the word apocalypse doesn't mean the end of the world. It means revelation. Revelation, yeah. What is revealed, the truth revealed, let's say. So here's an example from the seven seals. The first seal, a white horse appears whose crowned rider has a bow with which to conquer. Second seal, a red horse appears whose rider is granted a great sword to take peace from the earth. Third seal, a black horse appears whose rider has a pair of balances in his hand where a voice then says, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Fourth seal, a pale horse appears whose rider is death and Hades follows him. Death is granted a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth, etc., 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 right? And then there's the seven trumpets that are sounded. Here we go. First trumpet, hail and fire mingled with blood are thrown to the earth, burning up a third of the trees and green grass. Fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened, creating complete darkness for a third of the day and the night. On and on it goes. Thank you very much. But you read this and you go, oh, my God, this is the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Who sang that? A great big sea, a Newfoundland band. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. So so the beginning, the godfather of all of these cults is Christianity. So we have to acknowledge that. Right. Later on, you've got, of course, Nostradamus. The Mayan calendar is an interesting one, too. The ancient Mayan civilization had a very advanced calendar system. Mm-hmm. originating as far back as the 5th century. In Mexico? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their calendar had an end point. 
which was December 21st, 2012. And many people back in the 1990s, when the New Age movement was kind of big. We're anticipating that specific date. They chose that date and they went, mm. uh-oh, this is a moment when mm. the world as we know it is going to come to an end and something new, something greater, something more is going to emerge. It'll mm-hmm. be a completely different world. Of course, it came mm. and it went mm-hmm. and nothing really sort of happened. Like the year 2000. Y2K, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You had people like uh, William Miller and the Millerites in the 19th century. They chose 1844. William Miller chose 1844 as the end of the world based upon a Bible passage, you know, Mm -hmm. Daniel 814, quote, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these cults, are looking at the world as a place of sin, degradation, mm-hmm. and uh, a place in need of cleansing, purification, in the fires of the Armageddon. And then when that date came and went in 1844, his followers, William Miller's followers, dissolved, fell away under something that was called, quote, the Great Disappointment. So <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty mild. they're disappointed that the world didn't explode right. and die and everybody burn up in the fire. Mm-hmm. So they dissolved. In the more modern age, of course, in the, in the 20th century, you have Jim Jones. Jonestown. Jonestown in Guyana. Where, you How know, many, 900 or 1,000? 900 people committed suicide, revolutionary, quote-unquote, suicide, mm-hmm. ingesting cyanide poisoning in a protest against capitalism. He died alongside his members from a gun wound, self-inflicted. He didn't take the cyanide. Interesting, eh? Mm -hmm. It's the greatest single loss of American life in a non-natural disaster until September 11, 2001. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe he didn't take the cyanide because he wanted to make sure that everybody else was taking it before he... Well, I think that's probably what happened. uh, You know, mm -hmm. David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, Davidians, uh, Waco, Texas. I think it's on Netflix, yeah. Oh. Very good. I have to go check that out. Mm -hmm. You have people like the Heaven's Gate group who believed in UFOs and impending doom for which the only escape was to voluntarily turn against the next level, quote unquote, by committing suicide, which puts me in mind of a great Arthur C. Clarke science fiction Mm -hmm. novel Mm -hmm. called Childhood's End. Right. It's a great book. And what happens in it is that these aliens, these spaceships... Descend. Descend, and they hover all around the Earth. They don't land. They hover all around the Earth, and they give the human beings an ultimatum. Clean up your act or your toast. It's a great book, but it has the whole feeling of what these groups are talking about. Well, that's exactly what we need right now, though, is we need something just like that. We need a group of something up above that says, do this or you're toast. Well, in a sense, COVID is, has been something like that. It's yes. a cloud that is around the earth, this mm-hmm. pandemic. Invisible cloud. Yeah, and it's pointing out your healthcare system sucks. The way you treat seniors and vulnerable people is criminal. Yeah. Clean up your act here, folks. In a mm-hmm. way, it's doing that. Distribute the money. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. You have the uh, Aum Shinrikyo movement. uh, Sounds like a pasta dish. (laughs) In Japan, led by by Shoko Asahara. Yeah. His doomsday was 1984. Oh, okay. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, do you remember the sarin attacks on the Tokyo subway system in 1995? That's him and his group. Ah, okay. They did that. Okay, I guess because he was annoyed that it didn't happen in 1984, he thought maybe he'd try to get Better it. do it in 95. He'd have a direct hand in it. <laughs> That's right. He was sentenced to death for that, by the way. He's still awaiting execution. Wow. 
Then you have an interesting phenomenon. You have the what's known as the survivalists, especially in the United States. You mm-hmm. see, and these are groups of people who have left the cities for the most part, go into the woods in the countryside, and learn how to live on the land, live with nothing. Completely off the grid. Completely off the grid. In anticipation of. Preparing for the the time when the shit is going to hit the fan. People are going to rush out of the cities Mm. and they need to be well armed, they say, stocked up with food. When the power grid fails, they have to know how to live off the land. There's actually a movie, if you haven't watched it, uh, that I'd recommend called Captain Fantastic. Uh, yes, I have seen Levito it. Levito Mortensen? Yes, I have seen it. Yeah, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and kind of about that in a way. Yeah, yeah, right? very similar. So in movies, as you mentioned movies, all those end-of-the-world movies that have mm-hmm. come out, the apocalyptic movies, the Mad Max movies, The Road. Cormac McCarthy wrote a book called The Road. A couple of recent ones, too. Well, Judgment Day, Judgment not Day. that long ago, yeah. was a big film and all about, is it the end of the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, zombie movies. Yeah, we're very preoccupied with our mortality. Well, that's it. I mean, I think it does come down to our individual awareness of birth and death. Mm-hmm. We're taught as children... Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. As a child, we're not aware of endings. We think we're going to live forever, right? It's true, yeah. In a way, at some point, we're taught mm-hmm. it all has to come to an end, Junior. There's a conclusion. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And that's in us. You were just quoting um, Shatner, weren't you? Weren't William you? Shatner, William. yes, from his uh, a great CD of spoken word poetry called Has Been. I recommend it to everyone. People laugh at Shatner and some of the stuff he's done, but this is a really good spoken word. I think we used it in one of our previous podcasts. I can't I remember which episode we talked about death. Yeah. And we used that particular right. clip. He says, I hate, and he has this uh, preacher voice. He says, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to die. Yeah. And it's, it's brilliant. Anyway. Ties right in with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is what COVID is really doing. It is really putting us in touch with our mortality. Oh, yeah. Big time. And so much so that there's also a propensity for exaggeration in many cases because of it. It can be used. This base fear that we have of dying, mm-hmm. it can be accessed and extrapolated and used in many different ways by people who have this understanding of our psyche. Sure. And we don't consult the cult leader anymore for the prophecy. We consult the predictive models. Mm -hmm. The statisticians are the new cult leaders Mm -hmm. because they provide the data that gets interpreted and becomes information that gets disseminated through the internet, for example, Mm -hmm. through television or what have you, Mm -hmm. the the media. So the new Nostradamus is the media. Yeah, absolutely. The predictive models. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the pandemic, those early predictive models were wildly inflated and poorly conceived and were off Mm -hmm. by a lot. Some will argue they still are. Yeah. And so people expected the end of the world, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't the end of the world, and it isn't. We know that it's a virus. It's not going to take the planet away. It's not the Spanish flu, Mm -hmm. which did decimate the planet. Absolutely, but you have to consider our psychological state. We now live in a world, despite all the negativity that you hear, we are far better off, even globally, than we were 30, 40, or 100 years ago. I mean, the standard of living has risen considerably Yeah. for literally everyone, even though mm. there are still people living in abject poverty. Yeah. The levels have risen, and so has 
our desire to be in that system and live in that system. So we don't take to death as easily as we did when decades or centuries gone by. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing is now we can imagine the globe perishing and human beings perishing with it, with climate change, Mm -hmm. prognostications and that sort of thing. You go back to the Middle Ages, the end of the world for a typical person in a medieval village is the end of the village Mm -hmm. because they didn't have the awareness of the globe Mm -hmm. as a globe. Everything was local. So if the world was coming to an end, it was your little world that was coming to an end. But right now, we don't have a little world. We have a globe. Mm -hmm. People are not thinking, my local town is going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. The worry is that the larger picture is going to collapse Mm -hmm. economically, health-wise or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the internet and technology has helped make the world a global Literally a global network. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so each of us can actually become worried and become Mm -hmm. (laughs) end-of-the-worlders. But back before that time, it wasn't as serious in a way. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for mankind Getting back to this apocalyptic perspective, even amidst what we're in right now, the flavor of the day, of course, is Mm COVID-19. Makes the news every single day, every hour, and so on. Right. Which is, in my opinion, kind of blindsiding issues that are far greater than the COVID itself. The threat of nuclear war and climate change are still much larger issues, I think. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Um, That seems to be the consensus. Mm -hmm. And yet we're focusing on this as the so-called apocalyptic situation. Well, I mean, there aren't atomic bombs dropping on people, killing them. There are viruses infecting people and killing them. So it's understandable that that would be on our plates right now, big time. But again, you're dealing with our own mortality. We're looking at the small picture. One nuclear bomb would do more damage than a virus could do in 20 years. So Mm -hmm. we're losing our perspective. We're drowning in a variety of scenarios and losing focus on things that are much greater. Well, it just shows you how our attention spans have been focused Mm -hmm. on the virus, that we're more easily manipulated in terms of our attention now Yes, because of the way technology can fill the atmosphere Mm -hmm. with particular information and data. The fact that Donald Trump and his wife have come down with COVID Mm -hmm. and everyone on the planet already knows that. And it was only announced a number of hours ago. Yeah. October 2nd. Here we are. Yeah. Just heard today. Yeah. That's right. So we have to suggest that technology and the information age has made the idea of, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. more visceral with how immediate the information is whenever there's a catastrophe or something that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's also the energy that it generates. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because the original communication is one thing. But when you see the wave that happens, mm -hmm. as soon as you get a piece of information, you're calling family members, friends, you're using Facebook, Twitter. It's like this huge wave begins to create. Yep. And it's like a stone in a pond, begins with a little ripple, and by the time you're done, it's a tsunami. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a tsunami effect to almost everything that happens now. Yeah. And unfortunately or fortunately, I'm not sure which yet, it's numbing out a lot of people. Yeah, right. Well, enough talk about doom and gloom, mm -hmm. and people just turn off. Right. They go... I'll just watch the football game and enjoy myself. You can go and talk about doom all you want, mm -hmm. but I'm tired of it. And there's COVID fatigue. People are just tired of the barrage of doom and gloom. And the people in power should know better. They have to offer some positive. Not only positive, they need to really and seriously lead. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? To me, leadership means maintaining calm. Maintaining yeah. a certain equilibrium, being able to tell people the truth without instilling the panic. Right. And that's a fine balance. That's a skill. Yeah. And you can't yeah. do that, though, unless you depoliticize mm -hmm. things such as health. Yeah, sure. We've got to get back to the people that are in the know mm -hmm. about certain things as opposed to people who are using it. Right. To shift people's decisions or to shift popular momentum and so on. Yeah, but beyond the politics, just the straight ahead communication of these ideas and information, mm -hmm. good communicators will go, they'll give a positive, then there'll be a negative, then there'll be a positive. Mm -hmm. So the negative is bookended by positives. We're doing really well, folks. The curve is really dropping. Unfortunately, there are some spikes in some areas that we really have to do some work at. Mm -hmm. But overall, we're really doing well and stay calm. We're moving through this and we're going to get through it. Positive, negative, positive. Right. But we don't hear that. We just get the, oh, we're, we're concerned and we may have to close the schools. Mm -hmm. and, it's and, all doom and gloom. Yeah. The, we're worried about the ICU mm -hmm. getting overrun and all this stuff. And they well, don't not, balance it out. It's not all doom and gloom, but there's a much greater propensity to go to the negative side. Yeah. Exactly. And without delineation, because a lot of the times when you stress certain facts, mm. You're not giving the entire picture. You're picking the piece that fits your argument. Yes, right. It seems to me that this whole end of the world idea is now changed a bit. Because really what we're talking about, as in the song, is the end of the world as we know it. Mm -hmm. It's not that the world is going to collapse and humanity is going to die off. It's that having gone through what we're going through now with covid Having gone through 9-11, having gone through the Great Depression, having gone through the oil crisis of the 80s. Two world wars. The world wars. Yeah. The world changed dramatically mm -hmm. after each of those catastrophes. So the world did come to an end, so to speak. That world. Former world. And now we're in a new chapter. So what you just said is very important for leadership to recognize so yeah. you just gave some very specific examples of difficult situations that we have locally, nationally, globally come out of right. with the understanding that it is the end of something, mm -hmm. but it's the beginning of something else. Exactly. Exactly. So right away, you are inserting an element of hope, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is integral to our mental health. 
Yeah. Oh, sure. Because even if a situation is imminently poor or even fatal, it's not going to remain this way. We are transitioning. I think part of the problem with this COVID situation is that we've discussed this before, and we both agree that it's an accelerant of sorts. Mm -hmm. I think that's been a real issue because it hasn't given people time to adapt or a lot of people time to adapt. But if you were really looking at the picture, even pre-COVID, a lot of the things that are happening now, we're already happening. Like what? Our transition with the workforce, technology becoming prominent in our lives, the loss of manufacturing jobs, mm-hmm. the shift to home workers, yep. uh, getting away from many, many things that we were doing before, even issues addressing industrial agriculture, yep. uh, the fact that we were polluting at an abhorrent rate, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. And now what this has done is it has made it more pressing Mm -hmm. because it has given you less of a time frame in which to act. But human ingenuity, you are already seeing signs of this. The cooperative level begins eventually because then when people begin to realize that not only do you not have a choice, but we can actually make things better. So Mm -hmm. now you start to take all those resources and you start to shuffle things and start to adjust and acknowledge that this was already happening. It's just happening faster than we can deal with it. Well, this was already something that needed to happen. Exactly. There were some movements in those directions, and now it has to accelerate Mm -hmm. in order to deal with the issues that have been raised by COVID. Well, how's that any different from the development of the atomic bomb? Yeah, exactly. Well, why was that developed? You can argue about whether it was justified or not. That'll be an eternal argument. Right. But the point is, the argument that was used was that if we don't develop this, we're going to lose a million men landing on the shores of Japan. Right. That was the argument or big yeah. part of the argument. Yeah. So why did that happen? Because, again, something was happening very, very quickly. And the responses were largely political because how do you go back to your constituents and explain to them that you're losing 30,000 men a day? Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be the thing here, too. And this is why we're running into a lot of kind of uh, nebulous territory, I would characterize it as, because we're being very critical of the political position that's being taken through a lot of this. And a lot of it is correct because people are fumbling around and they're not using it necessarily for the benefit of all. They're using it as a power shift or something to transition what they want to transition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But ultimately... And people should remember this, in my opinion. Politicians ultimately have to do what their constituents, what the majority want. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we as a people forget that. Right. We think we're helpless. They have as much power as we collectively give them. Mm -hmm. And if suddenly we turn a tap and say, this is not acceptable, they will have no choice but to figure something else out. Right. And that's what I'm hopeful of. I'm hopeful of... That the fatigue that we're experiencing as COVID fatigue Mm -hmm. will be mental and social fatigue to the point where you will just say, that's it. That's the line. I can't take anymore. And then something has to change. Mm -hmm. I've got a poem for you, but I wanted to go back to the idea of end of the world here. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the atomic bomb, and that's a huge explosion. This is from a famous poem by T.S. Eliot called The Hollow Men, and it's the fifth and last stanza in the poem. 
It goes, here we go round the prickly pear, prickly pear, prickly pear. Here we go round the prickly pear at five o'clock in the morning. Between the idea and the reality, between the motion and the act, falls the shadow. For thine is the kingdom. Between the conception and the creation, between the emotion and the response, falls the shadow. Life is very long. Between the desire and the spasm, between the potency and the existence, between the essence and the descent, falls the shadow. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is. Life is. For thine is the. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. T.S. Eliot. I like that whimper close. Yeah, with a whimper. If there is an end, it won't be some kind of explosion. It will be us just losing our sense. Like a slow death. Losing our way Mm -hmm. and kind of just falling off the planet in a way. I forget the name of the Mm. book. The title is something like The World Without Us. Mm -hmm. I would have to double check that. But the whole book... The premise of it is, what would the earth look like if the human race were gone tomorrow? How long would it take for nature, for example, to reestablish itself Mm -hmm. in the cities, in the cityscapes? You know, how long would it take for the buildings to actually decay and be rusted and crumble to the ground? Interesting that you say that because we've only been in this COVID situation for six or seven or eight months. Some people will argue a few months more. Let's use eight to 12 months. Mm -hmm. Look at what's already happened just with us still being here, but just having had certain things modified either by circumstance or because we've chosen. Lockdowns, for example. Lockdowns, pollution has decreased, Mm -hmm. wildlife is coming back. Mm -hmm. And these are just two examples. There are places on Earth, I think New Delhi was one of the places in India, where they said there's a sector of the population that had never seen a blue sky. I think people born in the last 10 to 20 years. Yes, yes. And suddenly the sky is open and it's blue. Yeah. What I'm saying is even with us still present, just making some changes, you can see how nature resorts back to Mm -hmm. a natural pattern. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible with sacrifices, because people need to realize that you have to give something back Mm -hmm. to nature Mm -hmm. in order for it to flourish. The great book, Braiding Sweetgrass by mm-hmm. Robin Kimmerer, yeah, talks book. about reciprocity between human beings and the natural world mm-hmm. and how when that is broken, when that relationship is broken, bad things inevitably happen. And I want to say something here that I think might be of help. I think part of the problem when we say we need to give something up or take something away, yeah, we say it on the basis of it being something that's going to be missed or something that you no longer have. Mm-hmm. I think part of the challenge would be more to, first of all, communicate it in a way that says, what difference does it make if you lose something that you didn't need in the first place? Yeah, right. But didn't you tell me about the psychology of people who are more concerned with loss yes. than with what they would gain? Far more. There are many tests been done on this. Essentially, the premise is simply that People fear loss much more than they desire gain. Right. So we have to get over that obstacle Mm -hmm. of fearing loss more than gain. But I think COVID, in many ways, is 
mm. helping us mm. with that process, even against our will. Sure. We've modified our behavior. How many people do you hear now say, geez, I, I don't need as much money as I thought I did? Right. Or I've really enjoyed the kind of break. Or I've never talked to my family as much as I have in the last few months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or it's great not to commute in that traffic all the time anymore. Stop. You're <laughs> killing me with positivity. I'm dying with positivity. No, no more. Oh, my God. <laughs> all us doomsayers out there can't, can't so, survive that onslaught. That's what I'm saying. What would you rather drown in? So that's a good way to maybe wind this up, mm -hmm. you know, on the positive side of things. Change your outlook. Even though they're doomsayers, even though the world in many ways has gone to shit, pardon my language language, mm -hmm. we still have an opportunity as individuals, as communities, as countries, as nations, yes. to work together to improve our understanding of each other, of our cultures, to improve the way we treat each other, mm -hmm. and to make the world a better place as a result of this tragedy that we're going through now. So that it's not Armageddon out of here. It's Arma staying right. Arma staying here in a different place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. fine. And again, we'd love to hear your comments. Yeah, and an audiobook could be a bonus if you contribute. Yeah, and we have a little button on our website. You just press and record. Exactly. Ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.